Uh-huh. Just instead of saying Army Achievement Medal, it says Medal of Honor on it. On the black market, incredibly valuable. And uh, <laughs> what is it, a regular cycle? Were you guys in a cadence oh, yeah, of was, like we really getting it on? Gunfight will be today. Yeah. Uh, so as we pulled in, we pulled into a, a basically a, a like a little half circle of um, Taliban fighters. So I, I drew my pistol, hopped out of the truck, and just started closing the distance. The, on this day, I kept being, I was like, every time I was not dead, I kept being shocked that I, I was like, wow, I'm having a good day. Or, you know, God takes care of drunks and fools, and I'm dual qualified. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Rifle Podcast starts now. It's actually just the same case that every other medal comes in. Uh-huh. Just instead of saying Army Achievement Medal, it says Medal of Honor on it. Same. Yeah. It's the same. Yes. So they, uh, you know, it's on the black market, incredibly valuable. And uh, <laughs> one of the recipients was like, well, I'm going to get insurance on this. So his, his uh, like, they're trying to figure out how to assign value to it because if it gets stolen, yeah. what it would cost him. Yeah. And they were, uh, well, we can't use black market prices for your insurance, but they would take a letter from the secretary of the army assigning value to the metal. Right. And uh, he sent it. It was thirty nine ninety five that that the uh, army had paid for the award. What? So if it, that would, for your thirty nine dollars. Yep. What is the black market price for that? Uh, in uh, one hundred fifty two hundred thousand. Oh my god! Especially for like a real one because there's fake. Yeah. The the guy that made them, he would break into the factory at night and he would crank out metals all mm-hmm. night, and then he would go to Europe and sell them. Um. But seriously. Mm-hmm. The FBI is still trying to recover them all the time. And, um, but anyway, they're, those are worth, um, you know, uh, $50,000 to $70,000. Um, but a real one that's actually inscribed and it's yeah. the metal is, is like you know, fairly aggressive, aggressively yeah. priced. I, I guess I, it would be strange because everybody would know that it's yours. Yeah. So who would who would collect that? That, I have that questions to me sounds too. like a, a really weird guy. Like yeah. could be one of those guys that's into like feet. Yeah, that's definitely also a, into definitely like- a feet guy. Because <laughs> to me, the the metal only has value if it's uh, it's on the if it's on the dude. Like it has right. no value if like oh look at this medal of honor that I bought. Yeah, like, mm, that's weird. Yeah, what happens? I mean, I have so many different questions. Which is like, like how has this changed your life? Has it? So at first it didn't change my life at all. Um, are we hot? Yeah. Um, I went, I deployed right after the ceremony. You deployed yep. right after the ceremony. Uh, immediately following. I went back to my team. Yeah. You know, my team came to the ceremony with me. We went back and deployed right afterwards. Um, and then the, you know, everybody I served with uh, knew the story. Guys that were there were still serving with me. So I didn't notice a big change until probably a year after and it was um, people that were being assigned to the group um, post ceremony. Mm. Uh, I didn't have the same interaction with them. Right? I used to come in and, and be like this gregarious guy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, people would just stick to the wall, and I was like, "Oh, this is this has changed." Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. Uh, everybody thinks there's something special about a Medal of Honor recipient, and they're just waiting to see what that that crazy spark is, right. or what profound knowledge I have, and there's none. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine, like, I think about it, and maybe I could be wrong, but I mean, uh, knowing a few, a few of you 
personally, a few of you, like it's like, um, you know, it, it seems like there's a, there's a gravity that it's, 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 you guys have, um, you, you know, you know, have a, 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 an additional duty to the, to the community as to like how you represent yourself, like who Definitely, you are. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, to, to me, um, you know, I, when I'm, when I'm at, I, I use it to like my dress uniform. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm wearing everything and I've got my green beret on, mm-hmm. I present, you know, I'm representing the unit. And then as a recipient, it just takes it to that, that next level. Right. Everything I do in public, uh, people are judging um, the DOD. They're judging the Army. They're right. judging the regiment by everything I do. So it is kind of a, I don't know if burden's the right word, because um, it's an honor to represent that community. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have to uh, just know that everybody's always watching everything I do. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, if I pick my nose and eat my boogers, everybody's going to be like, well, hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the key to success. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. No, that's mm. Superman's uh, fuel yeah. right there. It's boogers, I guess. Yeah. And then, you know, things, uh, just always careful because I'll, I'll say things offhand. Yeah. Um, with my peers, you know, I'll challenge a, an, an assumption or idea by like making a statement because yeah. I serve with strong personalities that will challenge it. And it's just always the, the kind of way I, I would engage with it. You know, like I think we should go up the middle path and, and then somebody that disagrees would, would come in and be like, no, that's, uh, that's stupid. I'll tell you why I don't get that pushback anymore. Right. So like everybody thinks I'm, I'm an expert in everything. And, uh, I'm definitely, there was no extra education that I received. Uh, and I noticed that started to get me in trouble because, um, people, especially guys that work for me, wouldn't challenge uh, my ideas and assumptions as forcefully as I was used to in the past. So mm-hmm. I, I had to kind of uh, honestly just be more quiet um, when we're doing, making, you know, life or death decisions because people would just think I had the answers. And I was like, no, I got really lucky one time. Let's, right. let's not keep bouncing dice. I, I need your feedback. Do you think that if you were to wear the, the metal and a Pathfinder badge at the same time that that would be too much. No, I think that power it's honestly, that's how you write doctrine is you you put those two things on the word is spoken and it becomes with an uh, expert driver's badge. (laughs) Oh, there it's it's written. It was spoken and thusly is written. (laughs) I love that. Uh, like the patch finder is like my favorite badge that I never got, right? Did you ever get one? Did you go to, does that school so, even exist anymore? It does still exist. And I, I was like, well, Pathfinder. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're like, you know, eventually I, 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 cause I went to schools voraciously and I was like, well, I've never been to Pathfinder. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're a USASOC jump master. Yeah. It, it's, it's in there. You just don't get a badge for it. Do you want one? And I was like, well, I mean, as long as I can, I guess not. Right. You should be able to wear one. I, I, I think so. I don't think anybody would stop me, but no. I mean, if you what it, that would be the interesting thing is if you got hung up on some type of stolen valor. I get you- accused of stolen valor constantly. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm very well known in certain circles, and then I, you know I step out of it uh, because I was a force recon marine um, and uh, and a green beret yeah. and, a, and a medal of honor recipient. Yeah. When you look at my uniform, it's too much for the for for people to stand, and so I, I constantly get. Um, accosted for for stolen valor. Seriously, my, yeah, yeah. Because you know I have a green beret, a special forces tab, yeah. a Marine Corps combatant dive badge. Yeah. Um, 
And you know, oh yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, because there, there's there's too much going on there that's conflicting. Yep. And then if you don't know you, you're looking at it going, this guy's an idiot. And right? I, you know, I have a, an incredible uh, ribbon rack. Uh, a lot of them are are redundant. Yeah, because I have good conducts from the Army and the Marine Corps. Right. Um, and it just looks like somebody went shopping at a surplus store and built a uniform. Right. And uh, yeah, but I, I when I do events and they put my bio up, I I get. Um, you know, a pretty good spectrum of the population will come over and be like, you know, so where'd you go to boot camp? <laughs> That's awesome. What was your senior drill instructor's name? Yeah. Like, so I, I don't, Staff Sergeant Amaya, why? <laughs> do you remember that? Stuff? I do. I, well, do you remember it? I remember it because uh, the, the Marine Corps, whatever their me- mythology is, uh, methodology is, yeah. it's incredible. So I, I, I was, uh, I was platoon 2063. My senior drill instructor was uh, Staff Sergeant Amaya. Right. And uh, you'll know that I have a severe cognitive decline when I forget those things yeah. um, because it's been hammered into me. I guess that's fair because, I, I mean, now that you say that, it's like I was Bravo 254. This senior drill sergeant was Howard. I ran into that guy, by the way, in Kuwait. Before the invasion of Iraq, I just ran into him at the like the AFI. Hey, so like, remember hey, me from gym hey, class? <laughs> hey, remember me? I was I, and there, and of course, like he didn't. You know, there's yeah, no like, way. Like he's like, what are you talking about? And then yeah, I don't know where that guy is today. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like who knows? Maybe they're, they're they might be driving gut truck down at uh the, down at Bay, definitely right. They're like cruising around like or selling. Uh, <laughs> you know, somebody had to go in and sell the uh, CD outside of the uh, PX that had the uh, running cadence on it. Yeah, so I love. There's always things. that guy. Yeah, I love did that you? Guy. Did you have those? Did you have like a tape or anything? That so you I never got a Marine Corps hey, tattoo, hey, hey. and I never got any of the weird T-shirts. But I did buy the Running Cane CD. Did you? And listen to it on my Walkman. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah. When they call me out, I'm going to be ready. And I, they never called me out for like four years, but I was ready. I had all You're the ready. good cadence. How long? How long were you in the Marine Corps? Uh, nine years and some change. Uh, really? Yeah. From from what to what? Two thousand to. Uh, um, 2009-ish, something like that. Okay. And yeah. then you were... Uh, I, I On terminal leave, I enlisted in the Army as an 18 X-ray. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, I had a 12-hour break in service because the, the date that my terminal leave ended, MEPS closed. So I, I was a, a civilian all night and then uh, came in and um, swore in again. So why? Why, why, why do you... Why, well, one, I mean, obviously... The, you were, were you a grunt? Were you in the, so like I started off, in the, I started off as in the infantry. I did mm-hmm. uh, four years in the infantry, um, and then became a, a force, uh, reconnaissance Marine. And, um, toward the, you know, there were incremental steps. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I saw what special forces was doing Where? and in, in Iraq. Okay. And, um, I was like, why aren't we doing that kind of stuff? You know, like, right. why can't I get in man jammies? Yeah. Go knock on the front door. And when the HVI, you know, answers the door, I'll grab him by the beard and, and drag him out in the street. And they're right. like, yeah, no, we don't do that. Right. And uh, I had a mentor and he was like, yeah, that's, those are really cool missions. Um, you know, SOCOM has its, its purpose and its place and, and it's neat. If you want to do that, you should, you need to get out of the Marine Corps. We have our job and, and we, if you want to be a part of the most elite infantry on the planet, congratulations, you're there. Yeah. And if you want to, if you want to run run around and um, wear crazy clothes and and uh, do weird missions, this isn't the place. Mm-hmm. We we have our, our infantry bible and we and we we swear by it and live by it. And uh, 
and so I did. And, uh, you know, to, uh, to everybody's uh, betterment, I think, because I was only just getting more frustrated in the Marine Corps, um, not letting me, you know, be an individual mm-hmm. and do my things. And, and uh, the, that's not what the Marine Corps uh, enjoys. So it was a great place to start, but I, I'm glad I left. You did, you did a, how many combat rotations with the Marine Corps? Uh, four. Four. So was your first combat rotation as an infantryman? Uh, yeah. So I, I deployed two weeks after uh, 9-11. Okay. And uh, I, it was, the mission was, was top secret. The destination was unknown. And we thought, I was like, we're going straight into Afghanistan. Yeah. It's going to be us. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up guarding uh, the naval support activities for the invasion of Afghanistan, which was humbling and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, not, not anybody's de- design for a great adventure. Um, but it, you know, what is that? What, what were you guarding? So what, we had, what are you talking about? So all the ports in the middle East, yeah. uh, didn't really have any security infrastructure. Oh, okay. And then all of right. the support vessels for the Navy, you know, every time you see an aircraft carrier, there's 20 ships that make sure that, that the uh, chow hall has watermelon right. and that the jets have fuel. And as we were going in to uh, build up, it's just a civilian vessel with uh-huh. a, a crew of like 12 or 15 guys. And they added four or five Marines to every ship to guard it. And I was one of them, okay. which, you know, was, uh, well, yep. It was an important duty. Yeah. Mission uh, top secret destination. Yeah. Right they that, got me. It's good to recall the cadence. Yeah. So we can, it, it's, it's a really good. Uh, well, it's a, a time and a place. So I was like, <laughs> or, you know, they read my name off the list for the mission that we couldn't tell you anything about. And I was like, I made the team, you know, starting D, a seat at the table. <laughs> and, uh, and I stood 12 hour guard shifts for like nine months. Uh, and, and, uh, where were you at? I was on the, uh, I was at sea the entire time. So oh, wow. I was on different different vessels. Yeah. Uh, the Concord was one. I forget the other. Oh, the Niagara Falls. I actually looked them up. That's a night. There, there's, there's a ship called the Niagara Falls. Yeah. Huh. And I, I looked both of them up. I was like, maybe they're in one of these mothball fleets and right. I'll, I'll go and stand on the, the deck plate that I polished to a high sheen with my feet. Yeah. And it, they were both used as a targetry for rim pack. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like how these Navy guys get upset when, yeah. when like, you know, a battleship or right. carrier gets scrapped. Because the Concorde was by no means a proud, you know, war veteran ship, but I still felt kind of a weird way watching it get blown up. Because yeah. it, was, it was my home, my duty right. station, and, and uh, you know, it was like, hmm, I just had a freezer ship full of, uh, you know, the surf and turf for Monday right. night, but... Uh, it was mine. It was where your, I served. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so where was your where was your next one? So you did go this so, there, then, and then your next one. Uh, so is the, where? my next one was uh, another top secret mission. Uh-huh. I made the cut once again, and uh, we went to the southern Philippines. Okay, and that was my first kind of look at, at special forces. Was I I guarded the Jesuit of P gate to make sure that um, you know that the uh, the Al Qaeda didn't yeah, infiltrate didn't. the uh, Jesuit of P uh, headquarters. Uh, and, and the, Where and the was chow that hall. At? That was in, uh, um, uh, what is the name of that town? Um, Mindanao, Mindanao City. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, and I guarded the chow hall, and, the, and that was my first exposure because I'm like a E4, and all, like, all these E7 Green Braves are trying to steal shit out of the chow hall. Right. And I've been assigned the task of don't let them do it. You know, and the, these guys are all 
you know, I'm still like a skinny, you know, 20 year old kid. Right. And these guys are all like, you know, 35 years old with a beard and a cool machine gun. And they're trying to steal chocolate milk out of the chow hall. And I'm like, no, Sergeant, <laughs> you're not authorized to take chow out of the chow hall. And they're like, come on. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I got to, uh, I got to do security for different VIPs. So I went to all their, all their, um, um, little camps around right. uh, the Southern Philippines. And I was like, this is super cool. Right. We should be doing something like this. And like we are like, you're just not a part of it. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Marine Corps would mess this up anyway. Right. It's a number three. So number three, I, I, um, deployed as a force reconnaissance Marine to Iraq. And that was my, what my middle was ground that? was I left the 2005. So I left, um, because they, they called me again when I'm leaving the infantry. Right. They're like, don't go. Right. They're, the next mission is going to be crazy. And, and uh, I was like, what, what is it? Like, it's classified. We can't tell you. And I was like, no, you got me twice already. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> so I, I went to the uh, amphibious reconnaissance school, and my battalion was a part of Phantom Fury. So I watched all my, um, all my guys on the news every day, which was just uh, crushing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I became a force reconnaissance Marine. And uh, it's a you know a finite supply of of those guys, so I, I deployed uh, right after that in 2005 to uh, Al Assad, Iraq. Oh, Al yeah. Assad, big party town, Al yeah. Assad. Yeah, it's a super super fun place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually in 05. You know, that was before the surge and before yeah. all the buildup. It was uh, you could die on Al Assad if you didn't take water right. and, and try to walk across the camp because it was so huge. And what were I, you guys doing? So we we. Um, postured out of there, and we were the direct action uh, asset for the uh, Marine Corps for mm -hmm. all of Al Alambar. What was that? What was that like? Like, like stepping in because this obviously is your first combat rotation. And right. when you think back at this, and it's like the first time you go out, the first time, like you remember. I mean, I know you have to remember the first time. What was that like? Um, I, well, obviously uh, terrified. Yeah, and. Uh, and it ended up being like a, a nothing burger mission. But for me, you know, that was the first time. Um, and it was a big leap from from being in the infantry and having, you know, everywhere you go, you have like a company of guys. Mm -hmm. And then we pushed out um, to to hit a uh, mid-level uh, AQI guy and mm -hmm. with, uh, I think, two or three teams, I forget. But, you know, a small amount of guys. And and uh, as a force reconnaissance Marine, you know, like I had a – I had a boss, but it was the first time, like, well, you've been trained, you know what to do. And I was like, right. I still need to be told what to do. I'm like, well, we don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what to do. I'll just tell you when you're wrong. And I just remember getting my gear right, like, you know, three or 400 times. You know, I stripped all my magazines and reloaded them. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, that one felt weird. I'll reload that one again. Right. And, uh, you know, and I was like a junior member of a reconnaissance. Were you platoon. E4? I was at E5, E5 at this point. Okay. But, uh didn't have a whole lot of, I was there carrying a rifle, so I didn't play a huge part in the planning or the execution, but mm -hmm. I remember, you know, checking just the most mundane things, uh, making sure my laces were right. And I'm like, what else can I check? Do you remember, um, do you remember the first time you like had got live frags to go out? Do you remember like, do you remember that, that, that experience? I remember, I that, remember that was much like, later in my career. By the uh, time I actually got to throw a frag was I, is Afghanistan as a green beret. Like, but you carried them, right? Oh, I carried them for the end ever. I've, yeah. I've, 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 uh, especially as a um, infantry guy, you know, I'm like, well, carry this one's good. <laughs> 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 I 
why is it not green? I was like, I carried it for nine months. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, th throwing them as a green beret, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, we are close to the, to the enemy. Because, yeah. you know, I think yeah, in a movie, everybody's always 25 yards apart shooting. Right. But on the, on the real battlefield, um, if we have our way, you know, the bomber hits them when you're 10 miles away. Mm -hmm. Then uh, maybe the machine guns and mortars and things. But like, there's not a whole lot of combat to be had inside of a hundred meters. Mm -hmm. So as a green beret, when you actually get, get up on the enemy and you're, you're able to throw a hand grenade, I was, I was like, this is super cool. Wow. They're really close. Right. So you're, you, you go from there. What, where's your fourth one? Then? Uh, I did another deployment to Iraq in 2008, I think. Yeah. Where were you at? Uh, right, right back to Al Saud. Okay. Um, that was, we were winning. Iraq had been won. Yeah. Uh, I remember done. being super proud yeah. in 2008 because yeah. Iraq was so stable. So and we stable. had made a huge difference. Yeah, it was so stable. I was in Basra. I was in Mosul and then Basra. And I can tell you, it was just like quiet. You know, just nothing was going on. So I remember guys, um, you know, Fallujah, even yeah. even in 05, was, was not a safe place to be. And I think you couldn't even drive past it without like a platoon. Um, cause stuff would happen to you. And, uh, you know, Fallujah was like one of the most quiet places in 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, and we actually closed Camp Fallujah cause it served no purpose. Mm -hmm. And uh, people were shopping out in, in town, um, in, in Baghdad and the body armor and helmets in certain areas, you didn't need them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we did it. We did it. Nation building. This is what yeah. it looks like. <laughs> you know, standing like, yeah. look what we did. We won. And we won. Yeah. yeah we won. And, uh, Boys, you can hang your hat on this one. Yeah. Uh, quotes that didn't age that well. <laughs> so you're, you do four, you do four deployments. You get out of the Marine Corps. You have a 12 hour break in service. So then you're signing in as an 18 X-ray. Yep. But do you know, like, you know, like, Hey, I, I want to be an 18 Bravo. I want to be a Charlie. Like, I uh, be, so what, what, I do you, did. what do you know? So I, uh, we did a shooting package that uh, a bunch of third group guys had put on. Um, and, uh, so we got to talk to some, you know, real live green brays. That must've been cool. Yeah. And, uh, they all, of course, whatever they were, that's the best MOS. Yeah. Uh, so I did, but they did tell me what each MOS does. Um, cause I couldn't really tell looking mm -hmm. at a team from the exterior. And honestly, I was, I was, uh, I was going to be a Delta cause the weapons part, I'm like, I kind of know that. Right. And also, I was like, hey, sooner or later, the same mentor that's like, hey, you go chase other things. He's like, hey, have a plan because eventually you're going to be a 40-year-old operator, yeah. and that sucks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a plan. Uh, I was like, I'll put in a PA packet, but I'll need, I'll be at 18 Delta, and it just lends itself to it. Right. And then I got to the Q course, and um, as you well know, it ain't that fun. And, uh, and uh, the the uh, – extra year that takes to be a medic instantly lost its allure. Right. And I was like, 18 Delta. That's the, <clears throat> that's for me. 18 Delta Indonesian speaker. Get me out of here. Get you out. So what would you, would you pivot to then? What was your MOS? Uh, I was a Bravo. So okay. I, I, I picked like, the, the surest thing yeah. that guaranteed my success in the shortest stay in the Q course possible. Right. Um, for two things, I wasn't having that much fun in the Q course. No. Uh, Cause I went from being a rock star in the Marine Corps. Yeah. To why is this guy mad that I showed up to be a part of his organization? Right. Because you know every instructor I met until the end of the course seemed really upset that I was there, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Hmm, that's weird." 
<laughs> wasn't expecting like, you know, like a parade that I showed up, but I wasn't expecting, you know, ho outright hostility. Right. Um, hmm. Well, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, well, and what uh, the things that you took from like, because you, you, you're obviously getting right out of the Marine Corps and then you go to selection. So what was that? Was it like culture shock to go from like the Marine was, Corps into so the, the Army? I do. Like, I still remember like? everybody always asked me what the biggest change is. Yeah. Um, and the Marine Corps is more team orientated than selection is. Selection is, it has team-based events, but mostly right. it's about your little ship that's yeah. your left foot and right foot. And uh, I'd never been to a place that was more about... Uh, your success than it was the team's success. Mm -hmm. So even and then at the amphibious reconnaissance school, you know, success was guiding your team to graduation. Right. Like some you would lose a guy here and there, but success was that that uh, eight man team uh, graduating. And the, and and typically, once a team lost a few guys, the whole team would fall apart mm. and leave. Um, which, as I understand, is kind of a buds thing. Once that boat falls apart, right. The, None of you are going to graduate. Yeah. yeah. So I came into selection kind of looking for that, and it, that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, if you stopped to even help somebody, you could be disqualified from from uh, continuing on the Q course. Right. So they really isolated you from the rest of the students in that way. And that was the big one for me. I'd never, um, I'd never been a place where I'm like, hey, man, uh, you should change your socks. Right. Because uh, you're going to get blisters and you're not going to make it. But by offering that advice, like, did you just talk to another student? Like, you're out of here. Um, and uh, seeing a guy struggling, you know, I, I, I don't think up until that point I'd ever walked past like on a ruck march and a guy was not making it. I'd be like, hey, grab my strap and I'll pull you up the right. hill. And that was that was culturally for me. I'd never really been on my own before, uh, like the Q course was. What do, you, do you think that's a good thing? Like. I, think I mean, I don't a, know what it looks like. I don't today, know if it's good but, or bad. Um, yeah. I think it's different. I think uh, my my force reconnaissance um, teams were a little closer than most ODAs are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just, like dragging one of those guys around yeah, still yeah. with me. Um, Roger. Roger, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, even, even for like the first 10 years of my time in the Army, when stuff went wrong at home and I was gone, um, there was a better than average chance that a, a guy from my force reconnaissance days would show up and fix that problem. Interesting. Um, and I, I think that's what it, it kind of builds huh. is, uh, and if, I don't know if you've ever been around Marines, even in the army, if there's, if there's two or three Marines in a room, we end up in a corner together. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's just the, the kind of thing it builds. Um, and I, and my first team kind of mimed that, like we we're, we're all still really close, but I've been on several teams and it just doesn't gel as well for some reason. And I, I think a lot of those guys are uh, just kind of their, their uh, they don't necessarily need the team for their own personal success. Uh, the mission might require that teamwork, but they don't. And uh, I think that the special forces uh, has a lot of those type of guys on it. And they're which it, it's neat um, to to see them. I, you know, like the Green Berets don't need their retirement. Right. Uh, they'll stay because the work is interesting. <laughs> But when they're as soon as it's not fun or interesting, they'll, as you w well know, they'll they'll open the open the side door, exit stage left, and they'll mm -hmm. go be successful. They're not afraid to uh, go out on their own and uh, just do whatever they want to do. And I think that's a like a population difference. Yeah, that's interesting because you know I, I think back on 
selection just in general. And I think there, there's a lot of like lessons learned specifically within that because, and you know, you, you're way more senior and you'd been to war. So this yeah. was like, for me, it was a different experience than you. So I'm just envisioning like you go to selection and you're like, was it just kind of like stupid for you or was it like challenging and interesting and it, did you learn things? It was stupid for me. I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, until, until team week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I went through the, all the the gates. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you guys could have could have signed a sworn affidavit on this stuff from Iraq. Yeah. I could have skipped all this, right? Um, but it's obviously not because guys failed, you know. Yeah. And I and I didn't really notice because I didn't know that if you were at, if you made it all the way through, there was a really good chance that you had gotten selected. Yeah. Um, but I knew that at least ten people were going to get selected. So for all the gate week. That's how I kept time. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, at least 10 people are going to get selected. So I never let more than 10 people pass me on any event. Right. So on the runs and the, and the rucks, that's how I paced. I would take off, get to the front, and then and it was, you know, 10 guys would pass me and I would take off running again. Um, so I get to land nav. Obviously, as a reconnaissance Marine, I've done, you know, land nav all over the place and mm-hmm. I was like, this is dumb, but I start seeing people not making it. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not dumb. Right. But honestly, I was like, this is your guys select. I may have messed up. I don't know that this is the right organization for me. Really? But then I got to team week and, uh, and like my first event was down pilot. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, I think we started with 14 guys and we finished with like four or five. Yeah. And I was literally, uh, I remember, being underneath that thing, and I was like, if one more guy quits, what are we gonna? What do we do? Do we all just not get selected, yeah. or do we the, like the three of us that are left just start dragging this thing down the down the road? Right. And uh, uh, yeah, Team Week was a, a super eye opener for me. Uh, I would say that's probably the most difficult thing I'd done was was Team Week for, for, on a sustained, uh, not a single one time event for like a sustained week of output. Team Week definitely was um, aggregated some 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 people. Yeah, what, what like I remember down pilot because I I did that one too. I, was like, I, I like, think my lumbar might explode yeah. out of my back and kill the person yeah, behind me. Right. I you know the one that I remember the most I think was the three wheel jeep. That was the one that like I have the most recall. Yeah. When it comes to that one, because I, I for whatever reason I feel like I was just fucking punished in so, that. So I. Um, I had a great team. Yeah. Well, the first team, obviously not, but my next team after that was uh, a karma team. It re- repaid my efforts, but, uh, I loved team week. Yeah. Um, other than when you actually had to push the things, but <laughs> I grew up in Oklahoma, right. You know, in a trailer that got blown away, uh, every other year. So like the three wheel Jeep, I was like, yeah, I've done this one before. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you guys how to do this. <laughs> So actually, I thought a lot of those were fun. Yeah, and uh, I know that selection was not evenly applied because uh, I suffered on down down pilot. The rest of the the time, uh, we built really cool contraptions and drug. Yeah. It was physically arduous, but then you see the team and you're like, "How did all of you think mm-hmm. that was a good idea? I, Why is I, your Jeep upside down?" It's yeah, yeah. You, you'd see these things where you're like, "This is dumb as shit." Like, why would you do that? Yeah, the thing that I always um, think about in that circumstance, and I try to use these analogies or parallels for people, is 
I remember looking over and I forget exactly what contraption we had built. might've been even down pilot where I looked over and I saw a guy and his face was like all contorted and he was like, and you look over and the bar is like three inches off his ruck. He's he's doing nothing. And it's so interesting because from business perspective, when you have a bunch of people that are like, complaining and like, I'm working so hard. And then you dig into what they're doing and you're like, you're a fucking lazy Layer. piece of shit. What are yeah. you talking about? You're an actor. Yeah, you're an actor. Yeah. Well, and uh, I remember uh, the most interesting conversations that I, I ever eavesdropped on were the uh, in the bathroom at selection. Because, hmm. you know, Special Forces has this crazy mystique about it. Yeah. And they have people watching you, but it's not a, a deep, you know, CIA run thing where like there's probably a bug in this coffee (laughs) and uh but you'd see people uh, um just kind of acting out and and putting on this weird show and it's like the truman show like yeah who the hell are you talking to like you know and the selection must work because you know none of those guys did i see at the end of selection but yeah the guy that's that's making weird noises you know like why are you grunting like that you're gonna hyperventilate yeah well, you're going to be looking at the footage to see that I was like giving my all. I'm like, what footage? Like, yeah, what? Where, where are these cameras? What, like, we just crawled through a swamp. There's, no, <laughs> there's no, like, there's, there's no budget for that. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I remember, like, distinctly remember so many different pieces of that where I was like, this is hilarious and it's super fun because there are like there are places where you're like, man, this is so much fun. Like I, I, I can remember, and it's not because I'm like being nostalgic. It's because like when you're in good shape and you're just like crushing shit, yep. you're like, oh, this is really fun. Like the star, it was fun. It was, yep. it was like, well, I'm gonna run from point to point. And like I lost my map in a swamp, and I was like, okay, well, you're gonna have three chances. Take a mulligan on that, yeah. Well, oops, like get out another ball, hit it again. And I think that was the, um, yeah, I had fun. Yeah. Um, not that I would want to do it right now. No, but you know, being older, uh, being more experienced, and then. Being um, more physically fit because I was like, it's it can't be that hard, right? Because people will literally start dying before I hit the end of my um, fitness out here. Sure, um, but yeah, it was it was fun. I, I had a great fun. time, and especially you know, see all the weirdos that that go to selection because it it attracts, and my I'll say two kinds of people: people that want to do the job, and then crazy people, crazies, yeah, yeah, some loonies. And uh, it's funny watching those people mm-hmm. um, and, and like the silly, you know, what was it? The water can carry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not that hard of an event on its face, but I think you do like 10 miles with those water cans. Yeah. And you know, we had the guy that was making weird noises and, and dropping the cans and like, no, oh, darn you God. <laughs> and the, uh, and our, our walker was like, Hey man, um, I don't know what's going on here, but you are going to carry those cans. <laughs> You're going to carry them the whole time until I tell you to put them down or you're going to get in the truck. Like whatever this other thing is, uh, it's not a part of what we're doing here. So like carry the cans and, uh, you know, shut the fuck up Yeah, or, or get in the back and talk about how you took one for the team so that everybody else could get selected yeah. and, and go back to wherever you came from and lie about why you didn't get selected. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, that was it was refreshing. That's incredible honesty there. Because uh, you know most places, um, they just put up with, you know, that weird, weird guy. That's like you said, you're not really working that hard, but man, you're making a lot of noise. Yeah, yeah it's like, uh, you know, take a hike. Like, 
is it, like the other things, like I remember I was in echo. So like I was, I was like the last class to do Morse code, by the way, like the <laughs> last class, which is I've never used it. a fucking day in my life outside of the Q course, other than like, I, I can determine on movies where they're using it, whether or, or not it's accurate. That's right? real. That's beeps. That's the fucking complete waste of time. Cause I think we did like, I think it was like two months of just Morris code where you're banging out Morris I, code. I feel so your pain stupid. because I was the first class of reconnaissance Marines that didn't have to uh, pass a hand key test. Oh, nice. And uh, I was like, there, there was a really good chance that I would have had a different adventure because I could not do it. You can uh, do it. I can, if I, I can type something out. Um, I, if you type something to me, I have no idea what, like that's gibberish. Um, which is a requirement, and yeah. uh, I had we had the ha little hand keys in our bunks, and I would I was, <laughs> you know, and that test is coming up before you can graduate, and I'd be in there like, oh, I just want to be a part of this, and what, this is going to stop me. One of my best friends in the world, he's he's a retired uh, CSM, and um, like we went to the course together, and we went to every phase. Like he was the reason I probably passed to this day. His name's Kevin Zimmerman, and. Um, it's so funny because we were at Robin Sage together and I would like totally fucking dirt napped this, you know, send and receive thing. And he was, he was yelling at me like, and I remember this like so well, cause he's yelling at me like, you're a fucking idiot. Why did, why can you, did you not go to the same course I went to? You fucking retard. And I was like, oh, yeah. nah, I mean, I got fucked up, man. It feels bad, know. Sarge. Yeah, sorry. You know, it's so funny though. And, uh, but I sucked. I guess fucking horrible at it. Like, and it's like so stupid because it's like two months of this and then you're like graded on it and then you never fucking use it again. Right. Well, I don't feel your pain, but I understand the, yeah. the struggle. I think it's funny. The old guys that learned it in like the, for World War II and they are like, Hey, drafted, uh, you're going to learn this and yeah. they can still do it. They can still do it. And they, and they like fast, faster yeah. than I've ever seen. And then they're like, you ask them, when's the last time you hand keyed? And they're like, 1945. Yeah. <laughs> and I sent out, you know, the war's over. And like that, what? 45 is the last time you did it. Why are you so much better at it than me? Yeah. 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 I, I, I was talking to some dude at Fort Bragg when I was at the Q course and he was in, he was an old guy in a wheelchair and he was like, well, you guys have all these jumps. I don't really have very many. I just have three after I graduated airborne school. And then he names off three combat jumps, yeah. right? And you're like, okay. Just Normandy and Market Garden. Yeah, not a big deal. You guys are good jumpers. You're yeah. a good paratroop. You're like, fuck it. Like, it's such a flex when some dude in a wheelchair is like, well, I just have a couple jumps. You guys are real paratroopers, <laughs> are you, you know? Are you making fun of me or are you being <laughs> <Yeah>. genuine? <laughs> like, did you just shoulder check me? You're like 80 years old. You fucking shoulder check me from Your a leg, wheelchair. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get out. You go to first group. Yep. Right. Do you go to Oki straight away? No, I, I volunteered for Oki. Uh, they said no. Um, which, because I, I was uh, as a force recon marine, I was like a direct action guy, yeah. super door kicky. Yeah. I was like the Criff. That's door where kicky. I went. Yeah. yeah I was door like, kicky. I like that. I want, uh, Criff. That's probably yeah. that's the place for me. Uh, luckily, uh, didn't happen, and I actually, you know, got to be a real Green Beret first, and I was like, oh, this is super neat. Okay. What kind um, of ODA did you go to? So I went to a free fall ODA. Oh, cool. And um, I actually- Were I had you already a, free fall I was a free fall diver it? when I got okay. to first group. Yeah. And I, I was one of the first, uh, met my, what would end up being my company star major, mm -hmm. uh, Tony Bell. 
And uh, I remember coming to his office, and he had he had this saying. He used it all the time, but this was the first time I'd heard it. He's like, "Well, you're a free fall or a diver, which means I can kind of put you anywhere, and it's a win for us." Because and I, I kept waiting for somebody to admit that I was an asset to the community because I had all these yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah, nobody really cared. Right. Um, but but he did, and he's like, "When this day is going to save us time and money." I was like, "See, I've been saying this. Nobody gets it. <laughs> I am valuable." <clears throat> but he's uh. He's like, I want you to have a say in this. I always let my guys have a say. I get 90% of the vote, you get 10. <clears throat> right. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, and I knew I heard everybody come into his office because everybody wants to go to a free fall team. It's right. super cool. Um, and uh, everybody that can swim is in the Marine Corps or the Navy already. So nobody really goes and asks for a dive team. So I came in and you know, I was like, hey, you know, he's like, what do you want? I was like, well, to be honest with you, even though I'm I'm you know I'm dual qualified. I have way more experience um, diving in the in the water than I do free fall, so like that's probably uh, where I'd be more of value is on a dive team. And he and he was like, "No, you seem like a free fall guy to me." <laughs> it's great. Good and, for uh, him. So I went to the I went to the, the uh, what would end up being in his company. I went to our free fall team. Was it was it better? Like when, when you got to a free fall team, where you're like, "Oh, this is cool. I, I get better gear." Like I had like, worse like, gear. You had worse gear, and it, which you know, there's a there's kind of a thing that the Marine Corps gets all hand me downs, but I had better free fall equipment in the Marine Corps uh, that was more better condition and, and <laughs> no more, way Are more you modern. Serious? Yeah. Um, and so when I got to the, my first team, and they're like, "All right, here's your here's, here's your O2 your system," gear. I was like, "You guys are still jumping this." No, because we were using you know the the high pressure yeah. demand hose without and and uh, SF was still flying that like the pilot aviator's mask with the the accordion tube yeah. and and I was like you guys are still jumping this shit and uh, you know the MC four like the Marine Corps had moved away from that long ago and I was like hmm but <laughs> weird that, that, that was what I'd always heard like Marine Corps had hand me down gear so yep. I'm expecting you to say no. I, this was a huge was, upgrade from the shit that we were using. Like we were using rounds or something. No, yeah. So I got there and I was like, huh, well, that's off-putting. But then, I mean, we did have on the whole of it, um, like, you know, I, I got my first dual tube nods mm -hmm. and I was like, you guys have been walking around like this? I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I've been- <laughs> You're cheating. Uh, yeah, I've been walking around with 14s. Yeah. Uh, even when I was a Force Recon guy, you know, I had oh. some Gen 1 14s, which right. was, you know, you, you wore your elbow on knee pads because you are going to trip. 200 times tonight um and uh you know the radios and so that we spent our money we just didn't spend it all on on the the free fall st uh equipment right. which you know i don't know if, if you remember we didn't jump a lot in the 20 year long uh wars of iraq and afghanistan so probably a good investment did you get any jumps when you're did you get any halo jumps when you're like in iraq or afghanistan uh i, I got some jumps out of al-assad because we we were um Posture to be able to be used for that, right? But nobody really found a great reason why we needed to jump into something, right? Uh, especially in Iraq, because yeah. you can just land anywhere, yeah. And if you don't, if you're worried about the sound of the helicopter, just land further away. And uh, so I, n I never got any combat jumps, per you know, per se. I right. jumped in I Iraq, so technically that counts. I did my second or third jump in Iraq was actually pretty neat because I jumped out. Um, and I still remember it flying over the Euphrates River at like you know twelve thousand feet, and like full moon. Nah, and cool. I was like, dude, I should just turn and land right now in this village and just right. go rogue and drag my whole team down with me. Yeah, 
And I was like, that would be cool. And then we can get a, we'll have a combat jump. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll, then you'll actually get it. But yeah, I didn't, I just went and flew to the DZ oh. like a, like an adult. Oh, that's very adult. Uh, yeah. It's very conservative <laughs> and adult of you. <laughs> so you, you, you go to a free fall team and then do you deploy with that ODA? So, yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, and I, you know, I was like super let down because, you know, I, that my time in the Q course, that was the longest I'd ever gone without deploying. Right. And so I'm ready. I was, you know, afraid the war was going to end. Right. Um, but it didn't luckily. And I got the fourth battalion and they were supposed to be non-deployable for like three years. And I was just devastated. I was like three years, three years. Um, and it ended up, you know, we SF'd it. So like six months later, maybe nine months later, we ended up, um, doing some J sets. And then I, uh, this was 2010. So in third 12, 2012, we, we went to Afghanistan. Um, so we fast forwarded it a little bit. Where were you at? Um, we started off in, uh, Miri in the, uh, Andar province. Mm -hmm. And it's a, another big thing. You know, everybody goes to Afghanistan. You want the commando mission. That's the cool one. And we got a VSO site. Um, once again, luckily, uh, because I, you know, obviously I knew how to do the commando things. I know how to do a raid. Right. Um, but actually living in a village and, you know, trying to fight the Taliban and then run a village was, uh, um, made me a much more useful, um, Green Beret. So I actually learned to do more, more things and then to, to shoot at people. Right. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was also what kind of, I really fell in love with being a Green Beret, uh, there. Um, why? Because every day was so different. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, just whatever, whatever problem would present itself, we'd solve it or, uh, whatever, way we wanted to get after the Taliban, you know, we got to, we got to put, pick and choose our levers mm -hmm. either, you know, just going out there and, and trying to shoot at them ourselves, which is the, the easy button, or let's go have a meeting with the anti-Taliban movement and mm -hmm. trade them a can of peaches and some bread to see if they will go out and kill a guy for us tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, just kind of, you know, keeping your, keeping your hands in the, in two different worlds of, of how to fight that war was, was neat. Now, what do you, when you think back on that deployment, like what are your, what are your high points that you think were like, like, like emphasize the fact of your Green Beret evolution in the context of that? I think um, if there's a, if there's a problem, I think uh, especially everybody, the, the easy answer is the, the enemy's over there doing a thing mm -hmm. we don't like, let's walk over there and kill them. And then, uh, you know, probably a couple months into that trip, I would always run through my what are all exhaust every option um, that's there. And then like the only thing left is for us to walk over there and kill them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and also looking for the easy win of what could we tell these guys that would cause them to stop doing that? And nobody has to kill them mm -hmm. and, and looking for that solution. And I, and I remember being halfway through and I'm like, wow, I did not, I did not get to Afghanistan like this. Uh, I got here and I was like super pouty that I wasn't going to get to fly around right. from target to target shooting people every night. And, uh, and that was, you know, that was, uh, I think the, uh, the J sets kind of postured before that. And then, and through there, I always had this kind of thing. I wanted to go to CAG and, yeah, yeah. and do that. And I lost that interest on that deployment. I was like, I want to do this again. Cause I had, um, as close to hundred percent freedom as you can, mm -hmm. um, while being uh, deployed in support of your country, you know, like, 
what are we going to do today? Like, I don't know. Let's have a meeting about it and we'll, we'll come up with something and get right. after it. Like whatever interests us, I, interests us, I guess, is, you know, we had, you know, 12 Americans living in a house in an Afghan village with this time and money. Um, and it was, it was fun. Do you guys have uh, ODA plus? So do you have a So this was right after or? the, uh, what was that guy's name? Was it, what was the, the guy that went crazy? Oh, and, um, and Bergdahl? The, not Bergdahl. The Barnes? Oh, yeah. The, it, it was, right? I think you're this right. This was right after yeah. that. So the team that we relieved didn't have an uplift force. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a dog handler and uh, one Air Force uh, officer that managed like the State Department investment money for like mm -hmm. roads and, and wells and, and dams and things. Um, yeah, so it was, it was exhausting um, because whatever we did in the day, you, you had, you know, four guys had to stay up all night watching the camp. Right. Um, and we ended up getting an uplift force, like, you know, like halfway through or something. Um, but no, it was, it was, uh, we had, you know, 24 total uh, personnel. We had 12, 12 man ODA from the uh, Afghan government mm -hmm. and then our, our 12 guys. How many, uh, how many, um, how many fights do you guys think you, you got in on that? Uh, was I don't it, know. What is it, a regular cycle? Were you guys in a cadence? Oh, yeah, it was. Like we really planned it. it Gunfight will be today um, yeah, okay. because the Taliban had a op tempo. Yeah. Um, and they were they executed it uh, ruthlessly. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't know where in our district was going to get attacked, but we had the uh, Afghan local police checkpoints, mm -hmm. and we knew that one of them was going to get attacked um, every every Friday because uh, they use that against us because, you know, the – the Taliban was on was jihading, so mm -hmm. they none of the rules applied. Right, our guys were not jihading, so the the rules applied. So they have you know they, they have their their day. Right, they yeah. have to go pray and right. and uh, sleep off Thursday night. Right. Um, so they use that against us. But we knew that every every Friday something kinetic was going to happen, and uh, and and usually once a week uh, we would get harassed or ambushed sometimes uh, through the week when we're just checking our checkpoints. But mostly they were they would save up all their their money and uh, manpower for Fridays, mm -hmm. which was weird that we were like gunfight Friday gunfight Friday, Friday morning. Yeah. It'll be between zero seven and ten thirty. Right. Like if it's not, it's not going to happen. But was there was there a distinct difference between we'll we'll call it the gunfighting that you would do with your force recon elements? I and oh yeah definitely. Like, so like, describe to me that. So for one. Uh, most of my force recon, um, um, well, most of our missions, there was no gunfight because mm -hmm. uh, we were going for mid and upper level guys, mm -hmm. and uh, we would just drag them, you know, sneak into their house and drag them out of bed in the middle mm -hmm. of the night. And you know, it's a money guy or mm -hmm. a computer guy. Like they, they're 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 going to get to the detainment facility. They're not interested in being a martyr, right? And the, really the only time there was any gunfights on that is if you just happen to bump into somebody or if we were on target too long mm -hmm. um, and the phone calls would start pinging up and, and right. you'd get harassed on the way out. And uh, I really didn't respect the Iraqis as fighters mm -hmm. as much um, as the Afghanis. And the, the Afghanis um, I, I really respected because the, they always had a planned withdrawal, mm -hmm. which I, I like. And they had a, they had, there was a plan. Uh, the Iraqis, it seemed like we just, hey, let's go and walk down the street in a mob. If we don't get bombed, which will be a miracle, let's walk right into this machine gun and uh, see what happens. And uh, 
the Afghanis would have uh, flank security, like an ambush line or like a movement to contact plan. And then if it was going to hell, you could see them uh, execute a withdrawal. And it was so hard to kill a Taliban fighter. Like you might get in a gunfight, but and you go out and do your BDA. And like, yeah, we wounded like one guy. They all got away. Whereas Iraq was just a, a bloodbath where like, why did they ambush us from the low ground? That, right. That's crazy. Like, I know, I don't know. They, they're just dying. To, in Iraq, they're dying to get to heaven. In Afghanistan, they're real excited about winning. Mm-hmm. Um, was kind of my, you know, real quick shoot from the hip assessment. You think it's because... Um, it's too hot in Iraq, I think. It's too hot, yeah. Yeah. I think it's because the generation of war fighters in Afghanistan, you think it's like a, 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 a what I would say is a legacy of... You know, obviously, the, the fighting the Soviets, and then from the Soviets, you. you I think it's it's probably that. Yeah. Uh, hey, this works really well. I think also having Pakistan as yeah. a safe area to go right. train. Yeah. Because the Iraqis didn't really have anywhere to go train. Right. Like if they went, if they did any training, it might turn into real, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, right away. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, the Taliban could go and refine uh, their procedures mm-hmm. uh, in a safe area in Pakistan, and then. And then come in and, and do the live thing, right. and they they also had a uh, they they sent guys back. There was tours for the yeah. Taliban. We're like, yeah. hey, next summer you're not coming to fighting season. You're running the the school of infantry. And right. Like, oh, so they I think the Taliban was just all in all a more professional organization. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, so you you did that. What, what year was that deployment? Uh, 2012, 13. 13. Yeah. and then. What, how many more deployments did you do with SF between? So unfortunately, I, I got nominated for the Medal of Honor my first time out as a Green Beret. So that was that Are you was serious. My, yeah, on that deployment. On that deployment. From that deployment. From so, that deployment. So, take me through what happened. So that yeah. day. So that uh, <clears throat> so I'm on that camp and we're crushing it. Yeah. Like we are the we're the the VSP that they everybody shows. We get all the VIPs because of how great it's being run. Um, our op tempo is, is awesome and our like bad guys are dying. Good guys aren't getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So like, this is the model. Yeah. Uh, we, I think we had a VIP almost every week. They would bring somebody through to like, right. this is how we're winning the war in uh, Afghanistan. Right. Um, and my Sergeant Major flew in Tony again and he's Tony Bell. Yeah. Tony Bell. He's looking for me. I can hear him. You know, he's about, uh, four foot eight and, but he sound, you know, he's got the loudest voice. You can hear him, uh, you know, always, and he's yelling for me. And usually, you know, your company sergeant major is yelling, yelling your name. Something bad is happening, right? But I remember being like super confident because I've been just crushing it out here. So I know that I'm, I'm probably getting a medal. You know, right. getting an ARCOM or something. <laughs> an ARCOM, <laughs> ARCOM with V. Yeah, yeah. I'd, but whatever it is, something yeah. good's going to happen because I've only been yeah. doing good work. And he does that, like, hey. His same thing. I get 90% of the vote, you get 10, but I do want to hear what you got to say. <clears throat> I'm like, all right. He's like, you got two choices. You can go home or you can come work for me on the B team. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that sucks. That does suck. That sucks. And because, uh, you know, nobody goes to selection for either one of those things to, right. to sit at their house or to be on the B team. Right. Um, cause, why, uh, why do they do that? Why do they put you on the B team? No, I mean, I like, like, so obviously I understand why, but like, explain why they, they do that. So two reasons. They were shutting our site or not turning our site over to a Navy SEAL uh, platoon. Badass. Yeah, super cool. Badass. They're legit. Yep. Um, and our team didn't have a job anymore 
And the other reason was he liked our team and, yeah. and uh, he wanted the B team to have people on it that were competent, that he right. could stand to look at. Um, so we got picked. Mm-hmm. And so half my team uh, went home. The other half uh, you know, got absorbed on, onto the, the AOB. What would you do? I, I chose AOB. Yeah. And he's like, good, because that was the choice anyway. At least you're going to be happy with it now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just figured, uh, I was like, well, if I'm on the AOB, yeah. there's always a chance that some 18 Bravo uh, is going to step in a hole and, and break his ankle. And right. then I'll go replace him. Hair his ACL or something. Yeah, so and you're like, yeah. If I'm deployed, yep. I'm still deployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so anyway, I went to work on the AOB on the uh, uh, Polish camp of Ghazni. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that was doing, you know, 18 Bravo stuff on the AOB. It sucks. It's like, like not that fun. Um, but they, we, the word got out that we were going to close that camp. So the Taliban thought it would be like a super cool Thing if they attacked it before we closed it, that oh. way they could take credit for. Yeah, that's actually Run, really running good. It, yeah, it's, it's very very thoughtful. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, because it's win win for them. Yeah, like either they come in and like smoke check us yeah. and get a win, uh, or they come in and it's a disaster. But we close the camp, so they still right. get to see say we chase the Americans out of town. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's a it's a fob it's fob life. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of got used to the the it's monotony of it. Uh, around it is there's yeah. there's mountains around it. It was in like a little valley, super pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, we get indirect fire like almost daily. Same thing. Uh, like in the in the morning to like right before lunch. Like we, we actually started never leaving the SF camp mm-hmm. because if you do and the indirect fire lands, you have to do the regular army battle drill, yeah. which is like sit in a bunker. Wait thing. for EOD to come out, exploit the hole. And so it's like a, an hour to two hour tax every day. Right. And that's, I thought that was the plan. Yeah. Like, let's tax them for two hours. But what they were actually doing was um, they had Afghan workers on the camp and they were building uh, maps of key infrastructure where the rounds were landing so they could um, have a shot card for their artillery. Got it. And uh, concentrations of uh, troops in the bunkers. So, Afterwards, all the fighters we killed had little cardboard maps, hand-drawn maps that were uh, to scale for the camp. Um, and it had uh, darkened bunkers for, like, max maxed-out bunker. Right. Uh, hash lines for, like, you know, a medium population right. and then, like, little dots. We're like, hey, this one's probably throw a grenade in there and run somewhere else. Right. Like, it's mostly empty most of the time. And, and then uh, had all the main roads had uh, all the key infrastructure labeled on it, generators, um, uh, water, where all the aircraft were, where all the vehicle parking lots were. It was actually, right. I was like, man, see, this is a class act right here. Yeah. But they uh, they picked us. Um, and then, you know, the day of the attack, they they pulled up a, a cement truck with like 5,000 pounds of HME in it and uh, detonated it. And then the entire camp was just, used to uh, indirect fire attacks. So all the alarms go off and everybody ran to their bunker. It's the it's the right time of day for this. Right. And then the uh, artillery started, and the first thing it did was took out the, the generators and completely isolated the command and control uh, for the camp, for the population on the camp. Mm-hmm. And then it was like game on from there because uh, nobody could c- communicate across the camp, really. How many fighters were 
So, speeding. Um, hey, I want to say like 200 or something, oh. which, you know, yeah. and, and uh, the 2012-13, if, if there's more than 10 Taliban in one place, it's a, it's a SIG act for the entire theater. Like, what, what's going on over there? Right. Um, and then they had uh, 15 guys uh, assaulted through the, the breach. Um, with a, so that cement truck and then mm-hmm. post-cement truck blows up. You get yep. 15 guys follow that. And they were yeah, postured pretty close. Um, cause they, you know, they ran across the airfield, um, and I jumped in a Toyota and drove over to where the explosion happened mm-hmm. and we got there about the same time. So when I, you know, map it out, I'm like, how, you know, where were they at? Right. And how, how ballsy to be wearing a suicide vest and, and, uh, posture close to a 5,000 pound bomb. Yeah. I was like, hmm. <laughs> So those fifteen guys were all wearing SVS. They're all wearing SVS. Uh, all had brand new um, AKs with a uh, with the forty millimeter launchers. Oh wow! And all had brand new Chinese armor piercing incendiary ammunition. Wow! That was like weeks old. So, uh, which I'd never really seen that before either, because um, we were like digging through this stuff, and the AK hadn't been in a cache for like you know ten years. It's like mm-hmm. brand new, and uh, the ammunition. Also hasn't been uh, in a cache for right. for years. It's like, like brand new manufactured ammunition. And did they have like uh, was it like HE for the forty millimeters? Yeah. Like, no, so, so they, were, they had. Yeah. So as they they assaulted a, uh, online through the breach, and you know they they must have had thirty or forty grenades each because as wow. they were kind of trotting across the airfield, they were just shooting. Uh, forty mic mic all over the camp. So it's indirect going off too. So you have indirect. Coming in mm-hmm. from and what what is it like? What, what are they? So we had it. So we had the we had them shooting yeah. their forty mic mic yeah. all over the place. Yeah, and uh, they actually hit. We were doing a uh, or I wasn't there, but our our company was doing a rehearsal for the change of command, and uh, that's how my sergeant major got his purple heart. Is he had the key key leaders for this change of command rehearsal, and a forty mic mic round landed in between him and the the nearest team sergeant. Wow. Um, right in between them. Yeah. And as, I don't, have you ever seen one of those? They they hit, it primes, and then it, they roll a little bit and then detonate. I didn't see. I, oh, I didn't, haven't that. seen it either. Yeah. But um, apparently that's how they work. So they, they hit, 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 and then they roll. They roll, and, and it's like a slight debt or a slight delay. Yeah. Because they were like, holy shit. And then uh, like Tony turned, and and uh, that's his purple heart. He's got it all on his back. Wow. But we make fun of him for running away. Uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah. And uh, and then the the first team sergeant, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he was a seventh group team sergeant, and he was standing there I'm like whoa, and uh, you know they ate that together. Um, but then we also had a, they had a mortar section yeah. set up uh, 180 degrees from where those guys came in. Okay, and it was just you know they were doing little three round fire missions off of. What type of mortars were they? Dropping? Sixty millimeter 60s, mortars, yeah. yeah. And uh, they had their uh, they hit key infrastructure, and then they just started hitting all the major avenues right. uh, that you would use to maneuver around on the camp, just to suppress anybody driving around. So you come in on this Toyota. Do you see these guys come in through the gate? I didn't see them coming in you through didn't. the gate. I saw the breach, and yeah. I was like, <clears throat> uh, you know, we we figured out rapidly what the intent of the uh, VBID would be. And so I had, uh, I was a sniper, mm-hmm. um, had my sniper rifle, and I was like, perfect. I'm going to get up on high ground right here. Right. And anybody that comes to that breach, they're going to get it. 
Uh, unfortunately, we parked right in the middle of their like ORP for after they cross the airfield. Um, so as we pulled in, we pulled into a, a basically a, a like a little half circle of um, Taliban fighters, and uh, you know the us and our Toyota and, and the two guys on the four wheeler. So we pulled right into that half moon, and they just started shooting us to pieces at, a, at about like you know 10, 10 meters. Holy shit! And I still didn't figure it out until because I you know I could see all the fire coming in <clears throat> and hitting us, but you know if you don't have line of sight to where the bullets coming from, yeah. um, I was kind of I could they had a base of fire mm -hmm. uh, PKM covering their movement. Got it. So I thought that all that was was from that machine gun that was like two hundred meters away. Right. Um, so. I had our driver pull in to, to block that fire with the truck because we had the guys on the four-wheeler were mm -hmm. instantly hit. Right. And then I cocked my door open. And as we made that turn to, to block the PKM, you know, we pulled into you know, like seven guys standing around in a circle and I got my door open on the, on the Toyota looking at them. And, uh, you know, we had like a short, like, huh, here we are. Oh dear. And I had, I had a Mark 20 Yeah. and I was getting ready to climb out. So I had the buttstock uh, facing outside of the door, right. which uh, didn't scare them. You know, they're not the Taliban's not. not scared of buttstocks. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, they looked around like, "Well, they're here. Let's do this." And they started, you know, shooting the shit out of us. Did you get shot right there? I didn't. Which um, Drew Busick was our. Yeah. He was the fox on my team, and he came to the B team with me. He was in the back seat, um, <clears throat> and he's very upset about this fact because uh, every time they would shoot at me. They would miss. It would miss, and he was sitting in the back seat, and they would hit him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I didn't get shot. Uh, actually, the entire battle, I didn't get shot. Uh, Which is like, and he got shot basically every time uh, one of these guys how many pulled. Times the, did he get shot? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and and luckily, he never actually got like full. a good full hit. Yeah. It always bounced off of something, and then it hit him. So right. he's got like these long. It looks like somebody looks like he got in a knife fight, really, because huh. it would you know it'd be a bullet. Yeah. It would hit like the hit the armor on the truck, and right. they would come through as just a big flat, um, you know, throwing star. Yeah, and uh, it uh, ruined most of his tattoos. Oh, so now all his tattoos have all these weird scars on them. Well, they, these are those are really cool scars, though. You think well, about you it, know, like you how many people have those? Right, almost nobody. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you paid a lot of money, and he was married, you know, so like. Right. Dropping eight hundred dollars on a tattoo as a single guy is one thing, but as a married guy, you know, yeah. and now the tattoo is ruined. Your wife right. is is gonna, you know, really um, you know, give you a case of the ass over that. Yeah. But uh, no, I never got shot. Um, they hab habitually missed me for some reason. Um, don't know why. It's incredible. I think uh, I always what, tell what people. What did you shoot back at so, them with? So I got my rifle turned around. Yeah. Uh, and uh, pulled the trigger on it, and it, it I fired one round. And I was just kind of staring over the turret caps. Yeah. And I remember I dumped it about two feet low. And and uh, it, it knocked, they all did like this flinch because it knocked gravel and, and dirt right. all over them. And then my rifle jammed. Um, of course. Of course, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the reciprocating charging handle, yeah. I think when I stuck it out, I grabbed that door right. of the truck and, and hung it up because that rifle, it never jammed before and it never jammed after. I have no idea for sure why it decided to jam one round in this Murphy. particular day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I've been uh, literally beat half to death that when the rifle goes down, the pistol comes out. Right. Um, so I, I drew my pistol, 
hopped out of the truck and just started closing the distance. Um, and honestly, I, I thought that I was just buying, uh, um, the guys in the truck a little time to figure something out. Mm -hmm. Cause there, there was a, at this point, at least three to five guys. What pistol did you have? A Glock 19. Okay. And I just started, um, basically doing the most stressful El Prez ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the most stressful El Prez. Yeah. So um, you got a Glock 19, you're, you got a red dot on it. You got no, no red dot. You I just got, got iron sights. You're pulling out of a car. These guys are what? 10 yards. Yeah. And, and how uh, many, nine? which is, uh, nine guys. Well, to my front, well, they're in a half yeah. circle. Yeah. So I probably had like seven okay. that I was dealing with here. Right. Um, and then when I, by the time I get out of my truck, um, uh, cause you know, chief and, and Matt, they killed one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember the three guys off to the left and then, uh, movement off to my right, but I, right. it was a little bit further and I was had other things going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that many. It was a little, I remember as the stress added up, my Your my memory of the optic. battlefield starts, yeah. uh, you know, shrinking down to this tiny little, little focus. Um, but, you know, 10 meters is pistol distance. So yeah. it's, it's a. Were work. they shooting at you at the same time? Yeah, they were shooting at me. They just kept hitting Drew and, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Nate Abkermeyer in the right. in the truck, and uh, I think I was I was moving toward them, but at an oblique angle. Uh -huh. um, and I I I could uh, I had practiced you know shooting on the move, and right. so I could hit a moving target on the move, right. and they just couldn't. Uh, Got it. Or you know God takes care of drunks and fools, and I'm dual qualified. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out, you're shooting with your pistol. Like you go through an entire mag. I go through an entire mag. Uh, my gun belt was in the truck. I hadn't put it on yet, so I didn't Good. have a Good. I didn't have a reload right. for my pistol because uh, I had the I had my fob runner. Right. So I had a concealed carry. Yep. With my magazines on my gun belt, I had this whole process. Uh, they interrupted it, um, and my rifle's jammed. And we don't really have a drill for that. Yeah. So I invented one. Uh, so I pulled my hand grenade out. Right. And uh, you know pulled it. I thought I cooked it off. You know, about two or three seconds, but yeah. it was probably like you know a quarter a second. A second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I threw it just blindly in between us because I figured uh, anybody that that closes the distance on me while I'm fixing my rifle, this they're gonna eat this hand grenade, right. and, and then uh, went to work on my rifle. Um, you know, uh, doing remedial action on it, which I'm super proud of. This part of the story, I think it's the coolest part, is that I threw the hand grenade. And then as the grenade detonated, I was sending my bolt home on a, a clean mag with a clean round. And everybody's like, cool. I'm like, no, I fixed a complex malfunction in a Scar Heavy <laughs> in like five seconds. That's like really good. It's you really should, good. That's the most impressive yeah. part of the story. You know? <laughs> I guess. I'm like, Great. you're dumb. You don't know anything about stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, I got my rifle up and uh, – one of the guys, when I was closing with the pistol, I, I hit him in the pelvic girdle. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't dead, but he wasn't going anywhere. And when I threw that grenade out, it just, because I just threw it, you know, out there. Right. But it, it stuck in between his um, his uh, hip and the ground. Interesting. And it, like, just stuck yeah. right there. And he uh, he never so tried. he took that. He took that. And yeah. he didn't even try in, like, he didn't Did try. Did he have an S-Vest on? Yeah. Did it? And it was the only S-Vest that didn't detonate. Huh. So the he ate the grenade. It pretty much blew him it in didn't half. Didn't sympathetically detonate. Was, literally, we had to blow his vest afterwards. And I, uh, and it's, huh. yeah, it's just one yeah. of those. 
the, my grenade kill guy, the vest didn't detonate. Everybody else I shot, their their vests exploded. Um, I, you know, weird. That is interesting. So, the, were the vests detonating upon when you yeah, would shoot them, mm -hmm. and so they weren't detonating? You were detonating them. Yeah. So at I, time of impact because of the velocity, obviously, because so, of what was it? Yeah. Well, one of them. So. One of them, at like 100 meters, mm -hmm. I shot the, this next guy um, and, and detonated his vest. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next guy I shot, I shot him through the vest. It didn't detonate, but it, it started smoking. Mm -hmm. And then it, it it just, you know, went exothermic like, you know, three or four minutes after I shot him and, and detonated. So, yeah. Quality yeah. control at the HME lab. Right. So. Yeah. So it, how long does this go on? So the... The whole gunfight lasted about nine minutes. Uh -huh. I think six for actual exchanging, right. exchanging rounds, and uh, and then it was over. Was this the most intense gunfight you've ever been in? Yes. Yeah. Up yeah. until that point. Up until that point. And like, then post. You, yeah. Po um, yeah. I never. No. No. Especially post. Yeah. Um, no, I'd never done anything like that before. Because uh, you know you. Um, how many that, ambushes do you think you'd been in, or how many gunfights up to that point? <laughs> I don't know. I would throw a 50 number out there maybe, yeah. but they're, you know, it's the ambush where yeah. I, the guy's ambushing you, their heart's not really in it where they're Couple like, rounds, yeah, we're, like we're going to shoot at them. And yeah. when they start shooting back, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, maybe some RPGs and it's not comfortable, <laughs> but uh, other than this, like, you know, the, yeah. being the unlucky truck that catches an RPG, I never yeah. really felt like I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And then, uh, the, on this day, I kept being, I was like, every time I was not dead, I kept being shocked that I, I was like, wow, I'm having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a great day. Yeah. I, you know, the whole time I was closing with him with my pistol, I honestly, I was like, any minute now, I'm, the lights are going to go out. Right. Um, and then I, so it actually, I remember kind of being shocked when I got to this corner and there was a, a clear water tank. And I remember being sitting there with my pistol and I was like, you know, now we're, we're literally intermingled. Right. Uh, and I was like, how the hell did that happen? And, you know, I threw my hand grenade, got my rifle out. And uh, um, after I, you know, shot that, the guy off to my rear and left and, and detonated his vest, I'm, I was sitting there and I was like, I kept wiggling and, and clenching. I was like, oh, I guess I'm good. And then, you know, uh, closed with him again and, uh, you know, ran my rifle empty. Um, you know, got, got a suicide vest detonated on me. How far away? Um, well, in my mind, he was like holding on to the end of my rifle, but yeah. I, I think it was probably, uh, cause it was across the little lane we were on. So mm -hmm. it was again, that 10 to 12 meter, yeah. uh, distance, but, uh, you know, TKO'd me, folded me up. Uh, the only reason I didn't just get, you know, completely, uh, eviscerated was I, as I was shooting and moving, I moved in behind a generator panel mm -hmm. and it caught all the, uh, all the frag and, and deflected a, a good portion of the blast. And then uh, while I was laying there, they were trying to basically do, you know, do a dead check on me and put a couple rounds in me. And I woke up in the middle of that and, uh, you know, killed that guy. But I got up and ran were back. Were you in a helmet or anything? Yeah, yeah, I had my helmet on. The only thing I didn't have, because I actually put my Silinx in and tried yeah. to get comms up as we were driving down. Right. And uh, I remember, like, nobody's got their radio on. But me. Well, maybe somebody will, will key up. I'll be listening. Right. If I had my ear pro in, I didn't put eye pro in. And that was, 
um, I, you know, I saw a grenade and I remember looking at it, uh, kind of f- further into the battle and I was kind of, I just knew that I had this like super confidence that I wasn't going to get hurt. And, uh, I remembered, Oh, you're not wearing eye pro. So don't look at the grenades when they detonate. So I, I like looked away into the wall and the, the grenade detonated and I didn't get hit. But once again, Drew did. And, uh, he's like furious. Uh, yeah. cause I, you know, I kept checking myself. Right. And then even that evening, did you have uh, a scratch on you? I did get, this? I mean, I did get some, some like superficial wounds. Right. Um, but nothing to the point of which it would cause a physical limitation. No. Within. So like I, I was wounded in my, sh- in my uh, left shoulder, uh, an actual, an, an AK piece of brass with mm-hmm. an undented primer. So like the vest detonated, yeah. Yeah. stripped around out that stuck in my arm. Shut the, yeah. what? And I, Seriously? Yeah. So I, and I, I like, I pulled it out myself and I remember I couldn't get it out because it, it was, it was like suctioned. It had like a vacuum to it. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like stuck in the a skin. scar from it. I only, when I get a sunburn, uh-huh. you can see there's a little, the bottom of it is perfectly round like the uh, brass and the top of it is slightly dented where the, the pressure mm-hmm. kind of crushed the top of the round. But, uh, I pulled it out and I put a bandaid on it and my, <laughs> and it, like my Sergeant major was like, were you wounded? And I was like, ah, yeah, I fixed it already. He's like, no idiot. You're like, go to the yeah. hospital. Like you were wounded by the enemy. You're supposed to get a purple heart. Uh, go get checked out. And probably there's other stuff wrong with you. Right. Yeah. So I went and I got a bandage on, they took my bandaid off, put my bandage on, but he actually did my, did me a huge favor because I, I herniated, um, two discs in my lumbar, two in my thorax and one in my neck from when I got blown up. Right. And uh, I would have no purple heart to kind of um, oh, explain yeah. those injuries. Right. And uh, uh, now I do later because Tony was running a tight ship. Right. But yeah, he, I, you know, Drew was doing a sweep on me because he thought I was in shock from all the combat. Right. He's like, where are you hit? I was like, I'm not. He's like, of course you're hit, you idiot. <laughs> and he was like, He's like, where's all this blood from? I was like, that guy blew up. And like, <laughs> his head hit me and covered me in blood. <laughs> right. And he's like, and he, and uh, I still remember we were like, you know, back around this wall and he did this huge sweep on me. Uh, and, you know, like he was a very senior E7. So he right. was throwing this idiot E6 around. Right. And he like spun me around against the wall uh, and was like frisking me like a cop because he knew that I was hit somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, see, I'm not hit. And he, and he was like shaking me like, why the fuck are you not hit? I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, because I, I think, uh, you know, when we were running away, he and I together, um, either they threw frags at us or somebody do, blew their vest up. Not sure. But, uh, you know, he got frag in the bottom of one of his feet. Um, he, I think every six to eight inches, like Drew he had, had like a wound. That's wild. So, you know, he's sitting there, um, not debilitated by his wounds, but they hurt. Yeah. And he keeps, you know, like every time he's like every, like. It's like every 30, 45 seconds, something red hot would like penetrate my body and it, right. it hurt. Right. And, and uh, I remember like, just like waiting for the next hit to come. And then you're like not getting hit. It was like, he's like, I was kind of frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> so especially since we're standing literally shoulder to shoulder. Uh, why am I keep, why am I getting shot? And I was like, that's because you skip church. God hates heathens. <laughs> Do you still, is he still in group? Yeah. He's a, a warrant. Uh, in uh, in group still, he's still getting after it. Is he? Yeah, 
He's he's about there, you know. He's starting yeah. to be nothing's funny. He's grouchy all the time, wow. so he, he ruins the, the fun. Standard yeah. SF grouchiness. Yeah, that takes over after. Like, a in this cool chief, time. shut up. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, well, I mean, when you, you know, obviously you're, you're getting ready to retire mm -hmm. within like we six months from short final here. Uh, I think my. I'm I'm med retiring, so it's it's not a precise date. So like November first is my no earlier than. Um, so, but yeah, like close enough that it's it's mostly over. What do you think? What's your? I mean, what's? I mean, obviously that's a general question. I'm just saying, like, yeah, um, what's what's going through your head, like as you transition out? I mean, you have this, so, you have a you have Medal of Honor. Yeah. I mean, but you're 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 young. Like it's not as if like you're just. Maybe are you gonna go like go farm? Uh, well, no, because my wife is not interested in being a part of that. Uh, right. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna do something. Obviously, uh, I'm just looking for, I'm looking for the thing, you know, that uh, that I can be passionate about. Cause like Sasquatch hunting. Or Sasquatch something? hunting. Because yeah. um, I, you know, being a Green Beret was, it, it, it wasn't just a job for me. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a. Uh, a passion. It was an integral part of my personality, mm -hmm. um, and I want to find a job that's that's as rewarding as that. Like mm -hmm. I want to get paid, you know, obviously, but I want to uh, I want to enjoy what I'm doing mm -hmm. um, on that level. And I don't know what that is yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna find that. Are you gonna try to go to Ranger School before you leave? I, that, you know, my big to do list. I wanted to go to Ranger School, and I wanted to go to Buds. Because I wanted to write a book right. and finally and finally set it, put set it, it out straight. there. Just yeah. set it straight. Which one's harder? Yeah, and just like set it straight. I, you should. I I should. Why well, you should be able to take that your medal and get into anything you want to at this point. I, I like, think. Listen, I got to go to buds. Like this, I gotta this see, gets me in here. Let me see how hard this is. Right. I think that the I kept honestly. I was going to go to uh, dive school in the army because mm -hmm. I wanted to wear two dive badges. Oh yeah, can you do that? You, you could, can, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I never train. There's a form you have to transition to to like. You can't wear them wear at the them. same time though. Why you? not? Yeah, that's fair. Because if I stack if I have to re-sign them, or if I have to if yeah. I have to fill out documentation to transition one, yeah. if I just go to the other school. Right. But I I was never able to get healthy enough to pass the five mile run again, <laughs> and that was my I, for from 2013 to probably 16 or so. That was my. <laughs> Thing. I was trying to go to dive school right. so that I could wear uh, two. two dive bubbles and just be a, a hilarious uh, in you know the one year, the once a year that you wear the go to the ball. I wanted to have two dive bubbles, but uh, that would be cool. That was my yeah. I was like, I want to go to dive school again, right? And I could pass all of the uh, events except for the damn five mile run. Huh? Why? What's what's the injury that's preventing? Um, that? I, I can't train, I, and I can I can pass the five miler every now and then. Yeah. But not predictably. Right. Um, so like, is it like tendonitis? Is it like it's an not injury? the is it's it? the injury. It's the my lumbar. I get I get nerve wow. pain. Yeah. So even like a long commercial flight. Yeah. I yeah. might not be able to walk for like two days after that. Right. Which is kind of a requirement for dive school. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, have you looked in like stem cell therapy? Or I, I have. Like um, and uh, I'm now that I'm out, I'm really going to get more aggressive with mm -hmm. with. Uh, the treatments that aren't necessarily um, prescribed by the DOD and, uh, you know, like stem cell. Yeah. Um, and my, uh, my big one was my stepfather was a radiologist. Uh -huh. And and then, so he, he did a lot of uh, um, work with uh, 
or uh, what would you call it? Whatever spine doctors are. Yeah. <clears throat> and his thing was, <clears throat> do, not, do not let anybody cut on your back. Right, period. Until you're drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels for breakfast yeah. to get to get through the day. Right. He's like, because- uh, I've heard that too. It's, he's like, it's 50-50. Yeah. yeah. 50-50, 50% is, is the same, maybe better. And 50%, it's worse. It's not like you don't, you're not like they do the surgery, it doesn't take, and you're fine. He's like, 50% of the time, they make it worse. Right. Um, so that, and I, I had a friend, similar injury, and, and uh, he was a paraplegic for like two years after he uh, got his surgery. So that scared me off of it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had the same, not the same issues, but I mean, I've <clears throat> really, like my, my spine is like, yeah. like it feels like a, block of concrete like it has zero mobility and like it's you know because rattling around in gun trucks and doing the things that we did and the, okay. the life that we've lived like i have like zero like like upper torsion rotation like it's like i, yep. I have like I that's walk the around, uh, like i've got this like the the like all the you can see all the team guys yell and then everybody that looks <laughs> ah, at, looks you, at like, you turn, with both turn, shoulders turn your entire body you know you're like hey how are you and like, i i i like the questions I have are, you know, I mean, I think, do you deal with like uh, uh, anxiety or anything that you've had to really, I would say like. Yeah. So when I, so last October I, I gave my team up Yeah. and I started doing um, support for the army um, as a recipient, um, which it, it's not. It's rewarding. I, lo I love talking to people. Um, I love, you know, wearing the medal for the army. Sure. Doesn't require a whole lot of work on my part right. other than wake up on time and get dressed myself. But I, I actually had panic attacks for the, the first few weeks after I, I gave my team up. Because um, I, I uh, for my entire career, I either stayed up late getting something perfect mm -hmm. Or my alarm was set obnoxiously early, and I would get up at like three or four to get something um, absolutely perfect. Right. And suddenly, I didn't have that, mm -hmm. and so I, I, uh, I didn't sleep through the night for for probably about a month uh, after I left my team because I, I owed nothing back to the army, mm -hmm. and I it made me feel like I'd forgotten to do something. So right. I would wake up in the middle of the night, literally having a panic attack that I'd forgot something important. And uh, I would, my mornings were thrown off because I didn't have anything to do mm -hmm. um, other than what I wanted to do. And, uh, and it, was, it was very stressful. And, uh, and I can only imagine, um, like that's a, something I tell guys all the time, like do not retire from a team, for God's sakes, go find a job somewhere uh, in the group headquarters or, or GSB and get a, uh, a less important job. Because like the, the fact that you could stay on a team and then leave the army uh, must must be the most unsettling thing you could ever do to somebody because mm -hmm. they go from being you know prime time the most important thing everything's an emergency to you know what are you doing and I think that's a, a, a something a lot of guys you know you see guys retire and they turn into drunks for like six months because they they don't they don't have a course or direction and nothing's important and and uh, even a, a lot of recipients have told me like. Um, you know, when I was in the art, the op tempo controlled my drinking because, you know, if you're jumping or if there's a range 12 hours, bottle to throttle, uh, you on Friday night, you would drink 
and then on Saturday night you would drink. You didn't drink on Sunday night because you had something to do on Monday. And as soon as you didn't have those mechanisms, I could drink all the time, and I did. And then right. I was like, I had to like not just drink because I was allowed to. And I, I could see how you would um, kind of it would lend itself to it. But yeah, I I would wake up and have just these panic attacks in the middle of the night uh, for no re- because I had no stress. Mm-hmm. My body was stressed out. That's interesting. I because I think and I touched on it earlier. Like I think about you guys because you have additional layers of anxiety based on duty and ultimately because of the metal. You, you guys have more stress than a lot of people because you you have to represent like almost seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. It seems like yeah, and you're you're also you know. Um, what did I, I can't even remember the story, but I told my dad a story because I yelled at some like private for being, you know, fucked up. Yeah. And he's like, you can't do that. And I was like, why? And he's like, that guy's only going to meet like one Medal of Honor recipient his whole life. <clears throat> and you called him, you called him a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that kid's. He, he might. And I was like, oh. Yeah. He's like, if he's fucked up, somebody else has to fix it. Right. Like you, every, every interaction a, a, a soldier should have with you should be some, he should take something positive away from it. And I was like, he did. He learned not to be a pussy, I guess. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I tried to, you know, it, like you said, or like we spoke earlier, it's like every time I say something, I used to just really rattle things yeah. off. And because yeah, you're, you're a team guy. At the yeah. End of the day, like how, like you got to change. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I like now, that is some pressure that everything I say could be a profound thing. Thing because there are, people are looking for me to give them this profound answer. Hey, you're like the, how to a be Dalai a professional. Yeah, how to be a professional soldier. Yeah. Like I'm like, man, don't ask me. I, I'm a I'm a green beret. I still I barely uh, can get dressed for the ball because um, I I'm, that's not the part of the army I'm from. And that was my my first experience was uh, prior to the ceremony. Um, had the uh, the old guard guys, you know, the tomb the tomb guards are are helping me get my uniform put together, and they're asking me uniform questions, and I was like, hey, just so you know, uh, if we slip through a portal and we're in Afghanistan, like I'll be in charge, but uh, you guys are from this part of the army, like right. I don't know, yeah. I I probably been getting dressed wrong for years, like let's you be in charge of this, because right. I you know threw my uniform together and like oh do you do that. Well, what reg are you referencing to, right. to prep it this way? And I was like, none. <laughs> I literally have never read a uniform reg. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm above average intelligence, and I spend all of it being uh, a good gunfighter. Yeah. Uh, there's very little left for this part of the army. So please lead me through this. Do you think? Um, do you think there's a difference between the guys that are really good at, at being a garrison soldier and the guys that are like? Good no. fighters. No, you think you can be? Do you think? Because can you I'm be both? I know right? you're not. So <clears throat> I think the tomb guards are very uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, that is an elite part of the army. I don't want to be a part of that part of the mm-hmm. army, but the it's the it's a very serious. They take it very serious. They have their own selection criteria. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, it attracts a different type of personality, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're they're professionals. Um, they, 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 they have contingencies for everything that they do. Uh, and their contingencies are so in depth. And I was like, I know, I understand what's going on in this room right now. Um, this is cool, but they have contingencies for the weather. Uh, they have contingencies for, 
you know, like, what if the sling falls off your rifle? What if you drop your bayonet? What if you like mm-hmm. all these things that can go wrong? Uh, and they go through all these, you know, battle drills, but it's for representing the army in their dress uniform at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. I'm glad that they want to. Uh, yeah. I would really, I'd rather go back and guard a ship uh, <laughs> than, than uh, be a part of that. Um, but it, it's neat. And it's, yeah. I like that they like it. Um, but no, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, I, I recognize immediately what it is and it's, it's professionalism. Right. What do you think? Like, like the things that you look, like, <clears throat> you know, you're still in. So, you know, obviously you can think of things and go, I still like this thing about, special forces i still like this thing about sf i still like this like it could be anything right it could I, I, be jumping it could be shooting it could be so i still I, I like all of it yeah to be honest with you yeah. uh if they offered me an uh hey we'll give you a new body that doesn't hurt all the time yeah. if you'll sign up for 20 more years and i would yeah. um i love uh you know hopping in on team training mm-hmm. uh, as long as it's not some weird you know 20 mile ruck infill i don't yeah. hop in on those but uh, you know, I love going to the range with the guys. I love, I love jump. I love all of it. Um, you still jump? I don't still jump. Uh, yeah, I, I quit jumping I as soon as I, I jumped just enough to lead by example as a team sergeant. But my last day on a team, I went and came off of uh, jump uh, jump orders. So I was like, hey, this is, this part of the army is behind me for right. sure. Because um, it, especially static line jumping, and I was I was not on a free fall team. Um, I was on a static line team, so we would you know, like go jump static line and and it was always miserable. So one of the things I I, I have to ask you is because like I used to think about this all the time. It was like, why do we still do static line in SF? I, I thought about that too. Um, And the easy answer is uh, when you have a, a in parentheses, Mm -hmm. uh, you get special money. It's in a, but I think the the real answer, you know, static line is not a viable infill on the modern Mm -hmm. battlefield. But uh, I think the reason we do it is the type of people that will jump mm-hmm. are the, the type of people that will do the job well. Okay. So I think it's no. more about that. Got it. And that I think that's sense. honestly, when you look at our the 82nd Airborne, yeah. you know, are, are they ever going to do that again? No. But you get a particular culture and type of person right. uh, by jumping. And I, and I think that's what we get. And I think that's why we still jump. Other than we get paid a lot of money. Uh, as a unit to maintain that capability, fifty bucks a piece. Right? Well, I meant like a. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hundred fifty a month is not worth it. They're like, you came off jump orders, man. And you're gonna, you're gonna lose your pay. And I'm like, they, three grand a year. I will pay uh, if I had to pay that. I would pay two hundred dollars. I I used to think about that. I'm like, you guys, if I get hurt, I can't go to combat. Like you're 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 jeopardizing my my the thing that I want to do by doing the thing that I think is stupid. I used to always think that I'm like, if I get fucking hurt jumping static line, if I like blow a ACL or do something, that's like, uh, I, I used to really piss me off. I used to get so angry. That's what my my uh, when you my buddies, you know, that makes our major, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna go jump with the boys. I'm like, mm. Mm. <clears throat> hey, hey. Uh, we only got one SAR major. If you <laughs> and you're, you know, hey, you're uh, 48 years old. It's a high wind day. Uh, <clears throat> why don't you, uh, why don't you, why don't you go check some emails, yeah. man? Because if you break your femur, we don't have a SAR major for 18 months. Like you, you've got, you know, you got 20 years of jump history. Like, 
Nobody's calling you out. Nobody's calling you Nobody, out, man. Like, like, I, I always like to tell people, it's like, hey, why don't you squelch out that idea? Because that's like, like whatever that is, whatever that noise is that you're creating in your head, doesn't make sense. The hardest, it's, like, it's I, I, uh, teams aren't, you're still on a team. Yeah. The Sergeant Major, you're not. And I, and I, I watch guys all, they struggle with that because that's the first time they're not actually a team guy. Because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a team guy. When you're a Sergeant Major, you're not a team guy anymore. And so they, they compensate for it by, you know, being there for every jump. Mm -hmm. um, I have a good friend, uh, Tony Rowe, and he's always got to be first on the ruck marches, and he's just as crippled as I am. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's still got to be first. Yeah, he's still you know, crushing it. That's great. He crushes it. He's Did you ever meet uh, Joel Diesel. Alvarez? Oh yeah, I know him very well. Yeah, so he's like, he and I went to the Q course together. Oh, that must have been miserable. He's awesome. Yeah, he's such a good dude. We were at uh, Thai language school together. So wow. Yeah, but he's an outlier because he that guy stayed a beast all the way to the end. Beast, like he went to ranger school and he was like a. Yep. Because I was like, like at forty, that would have been yeah. three three years yeah, ago yeah. for me. The thought of going to ranger school, um, now or three years ago, miserable. Just uh, he was such a good dude. He still is. I I I haven't talked to him for years. He's, be, he's grown. He's forever. becoming a legend again as a firefighter. Is he really? Yeah, Where and he's he still at? got that. He's in uh, Tacoma. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, he's still got that magic about him that just yeah. attracts weirdo shit. Yeah. So he's he, you know, he's walking on the street and uh. You know, stuff catches on fire, so right. that he can be the guy that comes in and saves the, the day. He can be the guy yeah. that that like continues to crush life. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. awesome dude, outlier, and he's a. I think there's a, that's another. I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness in the the like that special operators have is you got a guy like Joel, yeah, that just crushes it all the way to the end. That's his experience. You know, if you're a CSM and you know you're you're dodging a med board. Yeah. And you see Joel, you're like, well, Joel's still doing it. I'm going to get out there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Different, you know, experiences may vary. and uh, <laughs> Experiences may vary. Because, you know, we, we have that, that's the metric for for soft is like you get your leg blown off in Afghanistan and then three months later, you're supposed to run a marathon right. and like bounce with, back from it. Yeah, with, yeah, with, you're, you're supposed to do something. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you're supposed to like qualify for the Olympics. Yep. Or, like, and some guys would just want to balloon around the world. I don't fucking know. Yeah, anything. some guys are just want to sit around and mope about not having a yeah. leg for six months, and uh, and we don't let them do that. And I I don't think that's a positive thing all the time. No. Like oh, I got wounded, but I you know now I have to run a marathon to prove everybody I'm still twice as hard. Yeah, and, and or I'm gonna you know grind myself into moon dust, and every fucking joint in my body is gonna. Like, yeah continue to hurt, but it's okay because I'm going to overcome and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to yeah. tell you how fucking hard I am and how weak you are. Like, I'm, and I'm leading. The boys are watching. Like, <laughs> the boys are not, like, they're not watching. <laughs> no. Like, there's a picture of you in the 80s on the wall, man. Like, yeah. we don't expect you to win ruck marches. No, like, you're, that, that's with you on, on like, uh, the, the Tehran takedown. You don't need to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Calm but down. I uh, Age I, gracefully. I looked at... Um, I was I was I was uh, listening to a book the other day, and they were talking about a guy. He jumped into he had like a bunch of combat jumps in, in the European World War II theater, and then he jumped in Korea, jumped twice, mm. and then he was also in Dembiempu. So he was in like Wait. that guy. So he went from he had three combat jumps in World War II to include you know obviously the invasion, then two combat jumps in Korea, which by the way, I knew there was, but I didn't realize that a guy could get two. And then he he was in Dembian Fu and he retired. So he had the most combat jumps of any you know person, person. specifically yeah, that, around that, any of those 
that jump with the French foreign lead. That's a hard one it's, to get. It's a hard one to get. <laughs> that's a fucking hard one to get. But I, I, I was just like enamored with this one guy because I'm thinking like this guy had 20 some years in the military and then he went and sold like varnish or something. I'm like, how do you transition away from doing like six combat jumps over the course of three different three different wars? And then you're like, I'm going to go sell uh, furniture. I'm a furniture salesman now. So uh, actually, my buddy Roger here went went through this. Um, he got diagnosed with you know depression. Hate to like tell your medical history. No, please. But he do. he uh, went in fact, uh, Roger's uh, complete medical. History. Yeah. So he went and uh, and he was talking to his psychologist, and she's yeah. like, so you. You're a force recon marine. You did all these deployments. Uh, you've been free falling, rappelling, yeah. and uh, diving, and and you know living this life and adventure. And now, you're, uh, you're you're a you know, security guard. <laughs> like you're an idiot. Yeah. Like she like she uh, diagnosed him with you know some depression, and she prescribed him like you need to buy a dirt bike. Yeah. Or. Uh, learn to uh, re- you know go climbing like you need some form of adventure or you are going to kill yourself and uh, there's that personality type where like if you're risk seeking uh, personality type and then you shut that off that's not a beautiful transition either so, but yeah, yeah when people do do that I'm like we are you faking it now or were yeah, you yeah. faking it before yeah but I guess if he's like I've had plenty of adventure I've got seven jumps where people were shooting at me I'm, like, I'm looking for the least exciting thing possible. I, I think of like, I, that's one of the reasons why we do some of the things we do here is, you know, I, I sent some guys to AFF because I wanted to make sure, like one, I'm like, even if you didn't jump out of planes as a, as a mill guy, but you did, a, you know, combat rotations or you're in the mill, it's okay. Just go learn another skill. And by the way, you can have fun doing it and it's adrenaline based. You can kind of have an outlet. You need an outlet. And it, uh, you know, I, I caught myself, um, look, building outlets subconsciously. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would drive like a retard, yeah. uh, yeah. get on a motorcycle and, and, you know, go double the speed limit, right. uh, for no good reason. And, uh, and I realized I was like, I need that feeling. Mm-hmm. And if I don't find a healthy way to do it, like I'm going to be, you know, everybody's gonna be making fun of me at my funeral. Like who goes 90 on a bike in the rain? What a right. retard. And I was like, me, that's me. I'm going to do that. Right. And, uh, and so I, you know, that's why my paramotoring thing, I was like, it's, that's cool. It's something I can do. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, there's, there's metrics for what's safe and not safe that mm-hmm. I can, I can still have fun. Um, cause if I, I know that if I don't, eventually I start cutting these other weird corners in my life and, uh, it's not a healthy way to live for very long. No. Well, Earl, thank you, man. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Yeah. I, pleasure. Uh, it's been a great morning. Uh, can't wait to have you back after you've made your transition and do another show about what's going what on. What are you doing now? Like, yeah, what are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you want to stump before you take off? Like, uh, I mean, you've got the Congressional Medal of Honor Society shirt on. Is there anything else that we can stump and help like point people in the right direction? Well, I, I mean, you guys are awesome about that. Yeah. Like, uh, I think uh, I don't know that you're, you're. There's any organization that that you guys aren't really really supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, fully that people don't know about, but, you know, I, I like to do, um, my involvement with organizations that, uh, that, that, uh, catch guys in between deployments or, or, uh, help them after they're injured. And, and those are like well-known. I like the, the Green Bray Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Special Forces Association and, uh, and, uh, you know, I have a, a buddy of mine that was killed, his widow. Uh, she does the, uh, 
the unquiet professional. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, she's kind of a things that other people don't posture for. She's ready for them. And, uh, you know, Krista Simpson, I, I love, uh, all the things she's doing. So those are our, those are, those are my safe bets and go-tos. Right. And then, yeah, if you want to support the Medal of Honor Society, please feel, feel free. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure. And, uh, Hey, that doesn't hurt all the time. If you'll sign up for 20 more years and I would, um, I love, uh, you know, hopping in on team training, Mm -hmm. uh, as long.